you're looking for the hottest name in hand-forged Japanese-style knives at an affordable price, check out Forge the Table. The company, founded in 2017 by Noah Rosen when he was a student at Johnson & Wales, produces uncompromising quality at a fair price. Their 8-inch blade, Kyoto, the chef knife, is developed a cult following among kitchen professionals across the country. It is also something I use on the daily. I also love the kitchen shears. They're so versatile. They're a must-have in the kitchen. From opening bags to clipping herbs to cutting nudie into a pot is absolutely a must-have for any culinary professional. You can order your own Forge to Table knife, whichever model from their spectrum of choices fits your needs, from ForgeToTable.com. And at checkout, Culinary Now listeners should enter the promo code CULINARYNOW, all one word, C-U-L-I-N-A-R-Y-N-O-W, to receive an additional 15% off their purchase. Forge to Table knives can also be found at the Johnson Rules Providence Bookstore. And be sure to follow them at Forster Table on Instagram for great recipes from the Forster Table Test Kitchen and to keep yourself in the loop on exciting new knives and kitchen gear plus giveaway opportunities. Forster Table is proud to support the development of new and aspiring cooks and chefs everywhere and to join in the effort to make a better industry for us all. Welcome, everyone, to the Culinary Now podcast. I'm Matt Britt. And I'm Jamie Schick. And today on the pod, it's just Jamie and I, and we are going to break down the 2022 movie, cinematic masterpiece, The Menu. Because, Jamie, I actually, like like all of our reviews, they're like six months behind when they should be. But yep, I finally... And I had to convince you to watch this. Like, you had to convince me to watch The Bear. So I think we're and, even. And we'll, and we'll get the second season of The Bear coming up soon. But, like, I will tell you that the reason I was so slow to watch this movie is because I'm very much a scary cat. I don't like horror movies. I don't like thrillers. It's just not my style. You're the true crime podcast. I love, I love them. So the second it was like a thriller, and I don't, I don't watch chef shows. Like I, I don't neither do, do that, I. But- but the second it was a thriller and everyone that my husband worked with is like, have you seen this? You have to watch it. You have to watch it. So I ended up watching it and it got me because it it's labeled as a thriller and I love okay. it. But the movie took me by total surprise. Okay. So we need, we need to, that's a great jumping off point. Cause like I, I had to build up the courage to get there. And I want to talk about the thriller um, label in a second, but I think it took me, like a lot of people have gotten to me too. And they're like, Hey, you should watch this. This is a good scene. This is a good scene. So I felt like I knew enough of the quote unquote scary parts to, to prepare myself for watching it. So I actually sat down and watched it last night. I know you watched it a while ago, but we're going to chat about the movie, what we liked, what we didn't like and, and a bunch of different areas. But my first question to you is it is labeled. It's like rated R it's labeled as a thriller, but I actually kind of thought it was funny. And I and I didn't go into it thinking that like I thought it would, like I found myself laughing at the movie more than I was afraid or shocked or scared, probably because I kind of knew what was about to come. But like I felt like sort of deep down, like when you dig really into the script, they were mocking a lot of what you know chefs and foodies hold at a very high pedestal. So it, to me, it was kind of like my wife was laughing. Because she's like, that's so you. And I'm like, no. But it was like, it seemed more of a comedy. So what, what's your take on that after having watched it? All right. So I went in not really knowing like 
too much about it. We watched the preview and that's really about it. So I didn't know like the, how it was going to be a thriller. My take is I do think it was a thriller. I didn't think it was too funny, but you have to remember my background is the fine dining world. So when I watched it, I actually was like, this is a pretty accurate representation of how some fine dining restaurants, like high-end fine dining restaurants operate. This is very realistic to some of the culture that I was exposed to. So for me, it was like, wow, there's so many parts that I relate to so much that are so spot on. Obviously, you know, the thrillery part wasn't so spot on because courses don't end like that. But I thought the way the kitchen worked, the way that they had the brigade system, the way that they plated and presented the food was really spot on. So I, I didn't think it was a comedy. Um, I definitely thought it was a thriller. I will say you're right. They did the attention to de- like if the devil's in the details, you know, it, the attention to detail was there. And from anything from, yes, are there restaurants in the world that are exclusive and you have to like travel or go through secret doors to get there yes they kind of hammed that up a little bit but i think it was it was important to the sort of overall premise of the of the movie or the menu but the details like you know when they got off the boat the maitre d who turned out to be freaking psycho ended up knowing everyone's information and when there was a different person it kind of like threw them for a, a loop like they had done their research that's a very real thing in the fine dining world and i think whether it's yep. that or the culture of everyone like living there and breathing and speaking the same language, like that is a very real thing that that does happen. And I think that they they did pay tribute to that appropriately. But as you mentioned, like some of the courses and the thrillery parts, you know, the gorier stuff is not what happens in a real restaurant, but I think it, hopefully, hopefully, but I feel like this is an opportunity to talk about, you know, your thoughts on, on why, like, was there like, what did you think about the plot about this idea that there's this chef that has gotten all this way in his career, gotten all the accolades and then ultimately uses his craft to end it all. And if you're watching this or listening to this and you haven't seen the menu, stop listening now because there's a bunch of spoilers that are about to come. But like, what what is there? Like, what did you think about the, the overall premise? I, it was dark. It was deep. But I think it also takes takes aspects of chefs real life experiences because there's so many chefs who go through this mentally dark place when they're going for, you know, the Michelin railings, when they're going for the five stars, when they're going through that, like there's a lot of chefs and there's been books written on, on this where chefs want to end it all because the pressure is too much. It's too much. Like you get all these accolades and then you have to keep them. You have to live up to it. And that's a lot of pressure. So I can see where he was coming from in that, in that aspect, because, because it, I guess, I guess I should say it was a reality. I don't know if the industry is like that currently because you know, we've been out of it for eight years at this point. So it very well could have changed and it very well could be a little bit less pressure, but I guess it's also internal pressure, pressure you put on yourself, right? right? And I wonder if, because you're right, there, there has been a chef that has taken their life because of the loss of a star. And that's a very traumatic and, and scary place to be. I wonder if this was an intentional or unintentional 
kind of result of the movie is that they triggered, like we talk about the bear a lot, that like it triggers PTSD and it triggers these sort of dark memories. Did Do you think they meant kind of like allude to that sort of, this is like a thing chefs have struggled with is this sort of internal intrinsic competition with themselves to maintain. And if they can't, then the results are disastrous and, and, and oftentimes hurtful. So like, do you think they meant to do that? Or you think that was just sort of something we're reading into because, you know, we're chefs and we know that. I, I would hope that they were kind of trying to bring light to that in one way or another. I would, I would hope it was purposeful, but I guess, I guess I don't really know. No, I, I mean, I, I agree that they probably knew enough about it, but I, I and, and again, I don't think that that's the, you know, takeaway. Like, I don't, I didn't end the movie thinking, oh my God, that was such a dark place for a chef to be. I ended that movie being like, oh my God, like, look at the, like the cool character development or look at the sort of the plot. And I started thinking about like each dish and how that sort of reflected darkness in different parts of humanity right so like let's dive into the courses a little bit because i was just i was just going to go there because you know we we were just talking about is is this supposed to be taken as like context of this is what they want to get out of it well dominique Crenn was the culinary director mm-hmm. on this film and she is from a very high caliber of restaurants so i mean that also goes to the courses though too because if she was the culinary director you know the food's gonna be like up to par. So let, let's do that. Let's dive it. Let's dive into those courses. Number one. And this goes again, like it's kind of where I think it's funny because they clearly, and they mentioned chef's table a little bit, but they clearly took like the presentation of the dish with the name from that show. And I thought that was kind of jovial. I thought it was funny and I thought they did a good job with that, but I also think it worked really well for that sort of making light of something that's kind of deep down, really dark. So, like, my question to you is, like, there was, I don't know, eight courses, mm-hmm. maybe? I don't know. Eight, there was a bunch of dishes. It was a true tasting menu. Yeah. What, what, what was your favorite, and then I'm using air quotes, course, and what was your least favorite course and, and why? Should we do least favorite first? Sure. Okay, my least favorite, it's also kind of my favorite. It's, um, <laughs> okay, so I think my least favorite was Tyler's Bullshit, only because how everything was raw, but also that's the part that we, me and my husband laughed at because when it's okay. So it's my least favorite because the course is really sad and you could see how much Tyler really enjoyed cooking and he was there for the food. He was there for all the right reasons, but then got put in a shitty position and obviously ended up floundering and came up with something not great. So to me, that was a little heartbreaking because when someone's really passionate about food, like it's sad that they were put into that situation. But it was funny because my husband's like, this is all I'm going to think of whenever any someone puts something out that's terrible. I'm just going to think of whoever's name's bullshit. And I was like, yeah, Jamie's bullshit. Raw chocolate cake, <laughs> melted vanilla ice cream. Okay. Burnt, burnt sugar sauce. And I, and it was just like, okay, so this is funny. So we, it, it kind of goes both ways because I enjoy how they named yeah. it. And names how they good. put the description, but yeah, the, the, the names were hilarious. And like, this was neither my favorite nor least favorite, but like the the course where the, the what was his name? I, Jeremy shot himself the mess. Like at the end of the course description, it was like R.I.P. Jeremy. And I, I thought they were funny in that, like in a very dark way. They were very funny. I I liked. I agree with you that that was a like and a dislike for the Tyler's bullshit. And this is the reason why is 
I agree that there are a lot of people that act as if they can do it. Where I don't think that was a very, well, the movie wasn't realistic in that sense, but like where I, I kind of like call bullshit on that bullshit is he was never a chef. Like it, it wasn't like he, it wasn't right. like he was going in there being all like bold saying that like, oh, he could do it better. He was like, oh, did you use a pocket jet? He was just, he was cocky enough to flaunt understanding of, oh, I tasted this, or I know that piece of equipment. And I feel like, I mean, the chef went overboard in a lot of areas. I feel like he was kind of, I don't know. I can't use the word cruel because he was, he's, he's always cruel, but like that was like, he wasn't a chef. He was just an overrated, over knowledgeable yelper that had some resources to go to this dining. And like, don't give me. See, I, I didn't see him as that. I didn't see him as, as being like that. I saw him as someone just really, really excited and excited to like, excited to connect with the chef on the level of knowing what a Paco jet was. So I did, I didn't take him as like a cocky yelper who had the money. I took him as someone who was so excited about the food and the whole industry that he knew these techniques because he had read about them or seen them and like researched them. And, you know, it's like, I guess it's kind of his, his inner monologue. I, I guess it's just a different way. To think his about monologue it. about like, how chefs are better than athletes because athletes just play with balls and chefs have worked to hone their craft over. Like I, I, I can appreciate Tyler and I want to dive into Tyler a little bit in a second about why I, I maybe don't like him and like him. Cause I think he's obviously one of the, the main characters of, of the movie, but as far as, and we'll get there, but as far as least favorite scenes, and this might not be super popular, but the last course was like, I felt like, I just felt like it was a little too cheesy, and like I, there were things. The cheeseburger. No, no, no. no. I meant the, the with the s'more where they where they all killed themselves. Oh, oh, oh! I, 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 mean, I was oh, talking no, the about the cheeseburger. The cheeseburger was my yeah, favorite. The cheeseburger is one of the best courses because it all because it goes back to the humble beginnings and how that really, you know, triggers people to think good things. But like the the and to me and to me the cheeseburger is like when you're in fine dining. You don't always want to eat that food. You just want to eat something well, comforting. Like and I, I mean, there were things about that cheeseburger that were done properly and, and, and really make a good burger, right? So it was kind of a, it was a smash burger. There were onions in on the other side. American cheese. He said, we use American because it doesn't split. Like, that's a scary thing about American cheese. How it never loses its shape. But it's also probably the best cheese for a burger. So I think that there were, like, that could be on my top like favorite course, although I have another one too. It's that, yeah. It's but my least my favorite is, is the s'mores, and this is the reason why. Like, I like the idea. There was a clear nod to Alinea and Grand Ackets with the painting of the floor and and how like sort of they make the table or in this case the floor come to life. But like the vests of marshmallows and the chocolate hats, it almost seemed a little too cheesy horror at the very end for someone for something that's kind of built up as a sort of psychological thriller so i liked how in the description they listed all the servers and like all the people that did go into that dish but it made me it was probably the least fulfilling of of the dishes the burger was awesome yeah i also and again it kind of goes to this idea of um sort of the darkness in each person's life, right? And how getting to eat at a type of establishment like, you know, uh, the, where the menu was or, or any of these sort of upper echelon restaurants, you know, 
it might not necessarily bring out the best in humanity because, you know, just brings out people that have a lot of money who might have a lot of baggage. So the course with the tortilla where they had like the sort of the laser printed images of everyone's sort of like skeletons, I thought was a really cool course because that's the moment where you started to see like it unfold like internally. And like, you could see like that was part of the chef's vision was to have uh, the woman uh, who was in, um, she was in Ozark. She was the drug dealer in Ozark. Um, She got, uh, was like, who's this woman at the table with you? And it's like, it started to unwind all these sort of intricate backstories that there would be no time to kind of showcase in a, in a movie. So I found that really, really interesting. But that also goes to the attention to detail, knowing your customer. Even though they use it in a very dark, like dark, dark way, but it goes to the attention to detail you were talking about at the beginning. Yeah, no, I, and and there were there were images on tortillas that I thought were 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 better played than others. Like I thought the one with the, uh, uh, right. you know, the, with the John Leguizamo's character, where he's like, "This was a movie I didn't like." I thought that was not the best one. But then, like going back to Tyler, like him taking photos of the food, like this is something I want to talk to you about. But- this podcast is sponsored by Azaluna Foods. Azaluna Foods is a regenerative food company that focuses on healthy, nutritious, and sustainably sourced ready-to-eat meals. Their signature bone broth is one of the top sellers and a favorite for us on the pod. It provides quick nutrition for a meal on the go or an amazing breakfast. They also have ready-to-eat foods developed by chefs and nutritionists to provide convenience and nutrition with a balance of macro and micronutrients. These meals prioritize artisanal flavors and responsibly sourced ingredients from their farm in Connecticut. Check them out at azalunafoods.com. I find myself being a rule follower follower in restaurants of that echelon. Now, the woman who played Margot Aaron, who was also in like the Queen's Gambit, fantastic actress, like she was kind of like, fuck everything. Like just go say something to the chef or and and I can appreciate that, but like I find myself being the person who's like, sit down, do not get up, do not go say something. This is part of it. Where do you fall in that sort of rule following conversation? Well, in my day-to-day life, I love rules. I love boxes. I love guidelines. I thrive in that. I thrive knowing what I can do and what I can't do. Maybe that's the pastry chef in me, but I really love guidelines. And I think it depends on the establishment. If I was going to a fine dining restaurant and they said, please don't take any pictures, no cell phone use. I would, I would abide by that because I have respect for what they're asking me to do. I have respect for, they have reasons behind it. So I, so on the rules, like I'm really torn because I am a rule follower. As I previously stated, I would follow directions not to take a photo. Like when I was in Japan, everyone was like, don't take a photo of a a sushi chef because they're very, uh, it's it's a big thing not to photograph that type of chef. So I did not. I didn't do that. Uh, we asked, and they were like, "Oh, you can take a photo of the food. That's fine, but just not the chef." And I'm like, "Okay, not a problem." Other people were very like, "Yeah, we'll take a photo." But they asked, and I abided by the rule. So in that sense, when Tyler took the photos, instantly dead to me. I'm like, "This guy, like, you know, get out of here." But your Miranda Lambert comment, like, I think that that's it brings up an an, an interesting twist because and not being in that position myself like my thought is you're paying all this money to go see a performer that performer's job is to perform despite distraction that's why you pay so much money because they're supposedly that good i don't know 
Like, I feel like, to me, the tortilla with the photos of him taking photos was, like, almost the perfect, like, like slight. Like, we saw you do it, and it made him realize, he's like, I need to make this right. And then, like, and obviously, you don't need to make it right. It was a little bit of a, like, a just, hey, like, we saw you doing this. Knock it off. Whereas, the like, when the food critic commented on the broken sauce and they brought out extra broken sauce that was a little bit like wow like here's extra sauce like like we've all served a broken sauce it's not our finest moment like it was kind of a tough moment so like we're on the rule conversation i follow rules but i also think that sometimes rules are ridiculous because you're paying so much money I do think that Margot and Tyler were complete opposites and like on the far ends of the spectrum, not just like a little bit opposite, but like they really had different views on a lot of stuff. Um, like, how, how the fuck did they even get, did, did they explain that how they got together? They did. Oh, I missed that part. I'm pretty sure if I, so again, it's been a while. I'm pretty sure she was like for hire. Yeah. Cause she, she had slept with the old guy, right? Yeah. Who, by the way, you know who uh, the couple that was cheating, you know who that woman was? That was Judith Light, a.k.a. who's the boss. Like, old school, <laughs> like, she was back. I, I expected Tony Danza to be in the back cooking on the line. It was awesome. Like, I saw her, and I'm like, what? But anyway, so I, I, I agree that they were poor opposite. Yeah, back to my, my, they're totally on the opposite end of the spectrum. I do think that the movie did take it a little bit far. They did take it to extremes mm-hmm. in some in some instances. So I don't I don't think the whole movie is like a great de- depiction of of our industry because there was a lot of extremes taken there, right, uh, right. including like including with like Margot's like complete like the way she was like snooping around and and all that. I do think that was all a little extreme. Right. I feel like uh, I don't know. It's like she was a little too against the rules. Like she was from the get go. She's like, like if you haven't experienced that before, like you would almost hope that someone who even might be a little cynical or, or, or naive or just just unaware would, would kind of drink the Kool-Aid going in and, and just kind of see how it plays out because you don't know the world that you're entering. Although, I can appreciate how someone with no knowledge of that type of level of cuisine or that experiential dining, I can appreciate how they would walk in and be like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is a joke because like, we appreciate that. Like we spend money to go out to nice restaurants and and experience that type of environment. But most people would think it's laughable. And it's kind of like, that's where I felt like it probably is a satire, to be honest. Yeah, but I, I mean, but, but in a in the, you're right. Maybe it wasn't like a true comedy. Maybe it wasn't a true thriller. Maybe it was a true satire. And I, and I think that they did a very good job. Like, we've had good food media of late. I feel like with the bear and with this, and even though there's definitely holes you can poke through it, each of those, I think they did a good job keeping you know people of the industry engaged in, in, in the content. So to that, I I think it's a win. For someone who doesn't do food 
TV or food based movies or anything like that. I I was into it. I really I really enjoyed it. Right. For the most so part. the takeaway is the menu not that scary. Has some <laughs> funny moments. Also really dark, but totally and, worth it. And tidbits of reality. Oh, certainly. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I I'm happy you pointed out Dominique Crenn's influence on that because. One of the things that is an easy way for any chef or someone in the industry to click off something is when they start seeing the details, i.e. the food or whatnot, not reflect the ambiance or the environment they're trying to portray. And I know it's like a little nod to Central and Peru, but like when they serve the dish on the rock and it's like, that's, that's a thing. And it's not, it's not, kind of ridiculous but it's also kind of delicious and it's kind of cool to you know for people and maybe you're like this too jamie for people to do this day in and day out their world is food when you experience something that is different and it doesn't suck it's kind of mm-hmm. cool yeah yep i agree and let's wrap this up with our rating do you remember what our rating system is is it knives is it out of five oh. knives <laughs> Was that our rating system? I think it's out of four, five forged to table knives. Out of five, four. Okay. So what's your rating then on this? Um, okay. So fives being the best, ones being the worst? Yes. Okay. Five forged to table knives. I'm going to give the menu. Is it just an overall rating or is there like entertainment versus reality? No, just overall. overall. It's like you're giving them like a Google review. Three and a half. Like you can only... Oh, all right. Three and a half. One chef knife and a paring knife. (laughs) Okay. I appreciate you laughing. Three and a half. Three and a half knives for the menu for me. What about you, Jamie? I think it was a solid four knives. Four forged table knives for me. Yes. My only reason I bring it down to three and a half is because I feel like there were some things that were like they could have towed the line a little bit it got a little ridiculous but from an entertain it was just entertainment i'd be a four but from an old but picture you, I'm- you always yeah you always go a little deeper i'm very surface oh. level yeah four from jamie three and a half for me check out the menu it's a pretty good very entertaining little thriller little comedy totally a good watch and, it, and it's pretty easy it goes by fast yep i agree all right Jamie, another review. We're on the bear coming up soon, so you better uh, you better finish up season two. Yep, I'm one episode and a half in, so we'll get done. Oh, that. It gets crazy. All right, everyone, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Be sure to give us a five-star review to help keep this project going. And special thanks to Matt Burns, who does all the music for the Caller Now podcast. Be sure to check out his new album, Whistle By, wherever you can find music. If you want to get in touch with us at the podcast, please send us an email at culinarynowpodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at culinarynowpodcast. We love to hear your feedback. We look forward to talking to you soon. Bye. Bye.